Hey guys, you're listening to another podcast on the Cloud Evangelist podcast channel. My name is Richard Morrell. Thank you for taking time to download this file. I'm recording this intro in an echoey hotel room in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. I'm over here as part of the CloudStack Collaboration Conference. There are three of us over here from Red Hat. We've got Robin Bergeron, who's the project leader course for the Fedora Community Project. Uh, I've got Neil DeVos with me, who's part of the Gluster organization, the Red Hat Storage organization. Uh, we're taking part in a lot of hackathon activities and also listening to a lot of great content that's coming out of the breakout sessions. I've got some great podcasts coming up for you this week. And this first podcast I recorded yesterday with Antoine from Exascale in Geneva in Switzerland, who are both a CloudStack partner, but also a Red Hat Cloud partner. So great opportunity to sit down and actually put a microphone in front of him and talk about some of the challenges and issues that companies face when they start thinking about working with a service provider, but also changing and evolving their cultures as they start moving to cloud. Here's the podcast we recorded. Come back soon for more great content recorded from the show. We're at the CloudStack Collaboration Conference in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, and I'm joined by Antoine Cotzier from Exoscale in Switzerland. As part and parcel of a lot of these conferences, you find a lot of ISVs, startups, and a lot of established companies who come together to share knowledge and to collaborate. Um, it's a very good turnout, the show, isn't it? It is. And it is the, one of the first events in Europe where we can really reach also developers and the technical guys that are doing it so it's a great opportunity i think one of the differences i've seen with this conference so far is a lot of the companies that are here are actually banking revenue of technology of actual cloud technology they're not thinking about standing up proof of concept they're actually doing it yeah um, and we are part of it and um, i think there are like five or six providers there mm -hmm. And it's all proven technology. So, But it, it's nice that there's this healthy ecosystem emerging out of cloud already so early in the cycle, isn't it? Yeah, th I find it great. Um, open source backed with providers, backed with um, uh, consulting companies, all mixing together for uh, just uh, the purpose of a community. It's, uh, it's a great event. Now, you're one of the directors of Exascale in Switzerland. Talk to me about Exascale. Well, Exascale is um, a cloud provider. We've uh, been established since uh, 2011. Mm -hmm. The particularity of uh, Exascale is of being a pure Swiss cloud provider. We aim at being a regional cloud platform. And we've divided our offer into uh, um, two separate areas. One uh, we call Open Cloud, which mm -hmm. is a pure infrastructure as a service. It's um, based on CloudStack, obviously, mm -hmm. and for we aim at um, developers, sysadmins. Um, the other part of our offering is what we call managed cloud. Mm -hmm. This is more for um, IT departments, enterprise, um, where we have offerings that resemble more the products that they use already in the in their data center. So and how many how many people in the company? The, the company is uh, part of a group. Uh, this group is 500 people in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And we have a team, a small team of uh, uh, five engineers developing those products. And it's backed by um, an operation center of 20 people working 24-7. And you're in the process of signing up to be a Red Hat certified partner as well. Yes, we are. We have uh, been uh, since this summer. And we will be uh, offering um, Red Hat templates on the go on our clouds. That's good because I think one of the things that we find in Europe is that a lot of the enterprise customers who've been using RHEL and REV for quite some time now 
they're now starting to think about their management plans and their focus around how they're going to start adopting cloud and how they're going to move those Red Hat workloads and also those Red Hat subscriptions into the cloud. So to have that partner ecosystem there is absolutely vital for us as part of how we grow Red Hat Cloud. So I want to pose a question to you. You obviously spend a lot of time talking to customers. You, you spend a lot of time helping those customers mature and try and work out what they need from cloud. What do you find when you sit down and talk to a customer their major concerns are about cloud adoption? Major concern is about data location, security. It's the two questions that arise systematically from, uh, from the customers I meet. Um, then comes a lot of questions about the infrastructure, but uh, when those questions arise, um, I, I try to... Uh, talk to customers about how how do you how do you plan to uh, deploy your applications in, in the future Wh what do you want to move to cloud just to have a new way to manage your hardware if this is it i mean so you see some customers where they've looked at the cost of doing tech refresh locally in the data center and they think well instead of spending 165,000 swiss francs on some dell servers we can just go and buy 397 hours, 60 57 minutes of, of infrastructure time within a data center provider in the cloud? Some of them think, think like that, but um, they, they think so without uh, without um, rescheduling the, the way uh, they, they're going to do it all manually again. They're just replacing the hardware with some cloud instance, and then they're rebuilding their stack from the from the bottom it's it's man hours it's crazy so do you find that a lot of the conversations you have really enable you to become um almost like an educator in what they perceive cloud to be yeah it's it's uh, almost half of my time with customers uh, uh, as a director of uh, exoscale it's just but, but it, must, it, mu it must be a nice way of closing business when actually the penny drops when the customer the, the light of day comes on and they think ah actually we've got it wrong this is a you know we need to rethink how we work because there is a more sensible way of doing things using exascale yeah when uh, when i find th thought leaders in, in big companies that um understand this concept of uh, uh, automation application deployment and and and, and this, this new way of um of doing it um it's a great relief and and we start doing great things together and we start also transforming it's business transformation, yeah, isn't it? At the end of the day, completely, yeah, completely. So it, it starts from a, a pure infrastructure project and goes with um, putting some agile methodology in in, in there, uh, really reorganizing um, IT. Uh, but it must also be enlightening for you because all of a sudden you can start having conversations, governance, risk, and control. How these customers build their change controls and all the mentalities they have usually about stuff that's in their data center. And now they have to start thinking, well, I'm going to start migrating some of those workloads to cloud. You're, you're not just enabling their technology change. You're also enabling almost like the evolution of how their whole IT department is going to work for the next three, four, five years. And some CIOs would be scared by that. But I think having a strong partner such as Exoscale in the background, it must be you know, a very, very strong proposition for them. Yeah, it's it, this is really my, my dream to to. to cross the cast and have th those customers uh, in 
yeah, of five or That's thousand. a great marketing yeah. exascale crossing the chasm. <laughs> you have to put that on T-shirts. I, I, I find when we sit down and talk to uh, customers in different business verticals, very often there's different business pressures. Sometimes it's because they want more bang for their buck. Their, their IT budgets are limited. They've got limited funds. They need to be able to do more. Therefore, they rack up to a service provider such as Verizon or Amazon with a credit card to be able to do that. But I think also there is this real-world problem where you have uh, some companies who go to cloud very quickly and automatically it snowballs. It becomes, you know, they're moving more and more and more stuff to cloud without the controls around it. And how do you tackle that problem? On, on, on what? On the customer part? Or on, yeah, on, I, th on I, think some I think some customers, I've seen it in um, specifically healthcare, where they start small. They start small moving some Python and Ruby stuff to cloud for 31 hours. And all of a sudden, within six months, it's like there's 40 projects with 40 different business owners. And no one seems to have a, a clue as to who's managing what. And I think one of the problems we're going to have in, in cloud, certainly in the early days, is the fact that you need to have very strong leadership in companies to say, okay, this doesn't really change what we do as an organization, but we need to have those change controls documented or we need to make sure that we're using version control on, on, on the right thing on the right versions of Ruby or Python or whatever they're using to en to ensure they don't have data loss and leakage and, and, and problems with privacy and reputation yeah yeah it's, it's completely true true it, it was true with virtualization a few years ago and it's certainly not going in the in the wrong in the right way for for customers uh, with cloud computing because it, it's easier than and the, the inventorization. Um, th it is true also that um, companies that start migrating some stuff to the cloud, each month they continue adding virtual machines. They add uh, and catalog services as well. Catalog services? Well, the, the ability to be able to consume different things in the cloud, not just to, they start off with one plan, which would be to move a database. And all of a sudden, they want software as a service in the cloud, yep. or they want to do platform as a service. Backup. Exactly. Yep. And, and that brings me on to my next, next topic. I mean, one of the things do you find talking to customers, do you think the way they handle storage is different to the way they used to do? Well, that's w one issue to be addressed also is that not all applications are um, cloud ready. Cloud ready. And, and all this object store, uh, object storage. Uh, vision that we cloud providers have, um, it's it's um, farther away than than computing can be uh, in the cloud. So uh, we still have a lot of talks to 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 have with the customers and with software dealers also, because I urge them to um, to change the way that those applications um, re interact with a database and the flat storage. Mm -hmm. And if more and more applications could leverage, uh, you know, S3 APIs like, um, that will make it easier for customers and providers um, because, you know, block storage is uh, limited resources. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of the unstructured data problems that cloud solves with the likes of Gluster and Ceph, yep. et cetera, et cetera, that's a very powerful message for customers. Once you've explained to them what big data actually isn't, <laughs> Not what it is, but what it actually isn't, and how they start thinking about how they deploy and how they use proper data sources within those environments. Yeah, um, we're we're doing in Switzerland a lot of uh, uh, small um, um, auditing and consultancy around those. 
big data phenomenon, mm. um, mostly in uh, the, um, the pharmaceutical industry. Right. Um, uh, and most of the time, it's the thing is, what is the, the use case? What do you want to do with your... Yeah, your it's your all well and good storing this data, but yeah. are you ever going to be able to query it? Yeah, and um, the challenges are, are there. I think a lot of big drug companies uh, globally have this problem where traditionally they've always stored research data on some huge EMC clarion box, never thinking that they're ever going to have to look back on it. It's purely just from a quality control perspective or from a research perspective. Um, and I think one of the things that's come across for me personally over the last seven or eight months talking to people specifically around Gluster FS, and we've got a, a Gluster guy here uh, doing some uh, hackathon stuff downstairs on, uh, with all the cloud chaps, is the fact that it's becoming cheaper and cheaper to consume storage. That it's, you know, a, a CIO can spend less money than he used to on disk storage. He, you know, he, he's not shackled by having to go and think about having to buy 4,000 disks. He can just use disks as he needs to consume them. Yeah, it's completely true. And, and performance also. Yeah. I mean, it's the combination of the two makes it uh, a really as a uh, as a service um, a model, m whether it's on-premise or, or in the cloud. That's do you also find that customers as well, do, do you think customers understand when you, when you describe agility Agile, the agile nature of cloud. Do you think they understand what that means? Well, th that's back to the, the 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 first question that we, first exchange that we had, and uh, it's often misleading. And they, they again, like I said, they, they think agility about yes, I'm able to deploy a virtual machine more quickly than before. But they do so they understand it? The agility thing also goes to development methodology, etc., yeah. etc. Et it's uh, not often, and and. There's a lot of work to do there. Um, those tools that, and this small ecosystem that we are all in, yep. the DevOps trend, um, it, it is still a pure geek uh, thing and it's not there out. But I think as well that the small companies such as yourselves with Exascale are, are gonna grow exponentially by being able to add strengths and services and you're gonna have to add people to your service offerings just to keep up. It, this isn't gonna go away anytime soon. This is gonna grow. Uh, we hope so. And um, actually, we are launching a small uh, integration team to specifically address the uh, the DevOps uh, projects that we can we can leverage by being a cloud provider and and helping those customers. Uh, and not only I want to use resources on the cloud, but I also want to transform the way I manage IT and tools, um, um, all application integration tools. Um, a great way to start versioning, starting to operate the infrastructure-like code. It's the beginning of it. The Swiss government gets open source, really understands open source. Uh, 18 months ago, I was in Bern uh, in the Swiss government buildings, um, standing, in fact, it's actually on YouTube, standing in front of a room of about 340, 350 guys uh, and women, uh, talking to them about cloud, talking to them uh, about storage, talking to them about platforms as a service, the emerging platforms as a service, as was then. Uh, and they gave me a nice Victorian Swiss Army knife for turning up, which I promptly got confiscated by the US police because I forgot it was in my <laughs> luggage. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but it was, it was nice because having spent so much of my childhood in Switzerland, 
and you know having spent a lot of my time as a child walking around burn around the rivers down to the bear pits etc cetera, etc cetera, to be an adult to go into the swiss government building to stand in front of a lecture hall of people that was really cool but the swiss government uses a lot of open source and it also mandates a lot of open source as a small con- as a small country in the the, la- the land mass locked in that is europe switzerland and france and germany are three countries that really are starting to push the boundaries of what's achievable with open source aren't they Yes, they are, and they're also uh, sponsoring it. Um, um, uh, federal government is also um, pushing a, m- a lot of money into projects and research mm-hmm. um, around open source, around big data, and we're also uh, helping out as we can uh, with um, universities uh, around that, that, that was going to be my next question. Okay, th- a lot of, uh, some of the Swiss universities have been, I mean, I, I was in... Uh, where was I? I was in Thun, Brienz, Interlaken, and Spiritz, uh, on, only a year and a half ago, talking to schools and colleges there about the use of open source, and they were a mile ahead of me. And that's pretty unheard of in Europe. There, there are, there are, there are, there are big research centers there, and those, um, uh, those schools um, have a lot of, lot of resources. That's the nice thing about, um, about, about Switzerland. And yes, throwing a lot of at it. But it sets itself apart because most schools in Europe don't do that. And it just shocked me when I was standing in front of these rooms that these kids knew what Linux was and knew what open source was. Yeah, but, you know, Switzerland is uh, size-wise one of the most innovating countries in, in the world. Sure. Um, and and it all starts there in the schools. And we're really proud of this. Good. I'm, I'm very grateful that you took time to be on the podcast this afternoon, Antoine. And um, we look forward to having you on board as a Red Hat partner. Thank you very much.